大家好，欢迎大家来到天书广播。这有日子没录了啊，先祝大家新春快乐，龙年大吉，都发财啊！这一次其实也不是真的去采访了，而是我跟 Grace 做的一个直播。Grace 是我在哈佛的一个好朋友，一个英国女生。Grace 要在我这儿开一个课，一个英语阅读课，叫 Good Prose with Grace。跟那个 Grace 读好文章，主要是讲一讲什么样的是好文章。一共五次，二月十八号开始，每周日晚上八点到十点，一直到三月十七号结束。他说是要用剑桥的方法来跟大家读点东西，有乔治奥威尔，有弗吉尼亚·伍尔夫、迪迪安，还读谁？还读点那个《经济学人》。反正是从写作的角度来阅读，我觉得是。然后每次都会给一些那个阅读理解的问题，然后大家可以这个用英语作答，然后把答案传到网站上，然后老师会选择一些人的答案那个讲评，大概就是这么个方式。一千八百块钱，就是我的广告语就是一千八上剑桥，说有点夸张，但是其实也差不太多，因为 Grace 是那个剑桥英文系的嘛。以下就是我们。直播的音频，如果你想看视频的话，可以去我的那个公众号查一下。我公众号叫做阿达希尔的漫游，那里面有视频回放的链接。报名方法就是加我微信幺四二幺七零幺零。以下就是直播录音。大家好啊，我们今天跟 Grace 来聊聊天，先让 Grace 自我介绍一下吧。来，好，呃，大家好。呃，我是 Grace， 我的中文名字是古雅思，但是我觉得 Grace 比较好，所以你就可以叫我 Grace 就好了。其实我跟张湛已经我已经认识他很多年了，好像二零零九年秋天的时候认识的，就是在欧在哈佛，呃，还记得是欧立德的那。讲中国和内亚的课啊，当认识的、uh, 对吧？然后我是在哈佛大学念东亚学硕士，以前是在剑桥大学读英国文学，就是英文文学，然后又到了台北去学中文，也到了北京上过一个暑期班。最近我是在。英国的 UEA 怎么说？东安哥里亚大学吧，就是英国东区的一个大学，做那个创意文学的硕士学位。因为我目前在写一本非小说的书，就是讲英国的一个十九世纪的呃摄影家，就是早期的摄影家，他到了中国。去拍很多很多照片，现在他们都在伦敦的一个 Welcome Collection， 所以我在写他在中国的一些体验跟经历。嗯、呃，那你在呃哈佛毕业之后，到这个在上这个创意写作之间做了什么？哦，之间是在美国上班，也当过上班族，很痛苦。那时候是住纽约。帮一个美国的学校在中国开校区，特别是在深圳，所以那个时候是从纽约飞到深圳，一直过来过去，然后到了
二零一九年，我就觉得太累了，所以辞职了，然后回英国了。现在住英国的北部，呃，湖区，因为我的父母呃在这边退休了。然后二零一八年的时候，我爸爸生病了，之后觉得要离他们比较近一点。因为孝顺的关系吧，就是在中国学的孝顺，嗯，所以现在就是我父母是差不多开开车差不多二十分钟，就是我目前的生活。那个 Grace 是我见过就是英文写的最好的人之一，我不想说最好的，但是我觉得就是最好的也差不多了，因为我读的也比较少，主要是，反正是我认识的人里面写的最好的。呃，所以他现在能有机会来教大家，呃，阅读，其实我觉得是一件就非常非常难得的事情。这个之前请他来，他都不来，他请请不动啊。现在来了就非常好。然后 Grace 好像还有一个 PPT 可以跟大家分享，是吗？有有。我们差不多了，就可以那个转成英文了，因为说中文他也很累。嗯。哎哎，这是。两年以前吧，嗯好像是湖区，嗯，我湖，嗯，看 Grace 多漂亮，没有哎，多冷，嗯，所以 Cici， do you want to ask me questions about the the class or do you want me to introduce it first? Ah, actually, you can go um on your own pace. Okay, the course is called Good Prose with Grace. And the idea behind this course is really to teach people how to distinguish between good and bad writing in English, and at the same time, you know, expand your vocabulary, practice your own English as well. And the emphasis is on reading, but of course, as you read and as you attend the classes, your speaking will also improve. I hope, and your listening as well, because the class is going to be. Mostly taught in English.、Um, my Chinese is not good enough to teach a full class in Chinese, but I can definitely buchong、um, in Chinese if we if we need. But mostly, it's going to be taught in English.、Mm. Um, so the whole idea of distinguishing between good and bad English is is the animating idea, and we're going to be using when we. Look at the texts that we're going to study. A particular approach, which I learned at Cambridge University, and it's called practical criticism, which、uh, is a way of approaching a text from the very small details,、mm. and then instead of kind of approaching a text with a grand theory or big ideas about the text, we approach it word by word. So it's very detail oriented. And it allows you to kind of explore the meaning of a text in a deep、mm. way.、Um, I can keep going if you want, Susie.、Um, I, I can I can say a, a few words about the、okay. idea of the of the course. Of course, this idea came from、uh, came from Her Majesty Grace.、Uh, <laughs> and I think it's very good because in in China. Uh, we emphasize uh, what is called uh, not 文风 but um another word. What what's that? 文采 It's it's a very bad word. 
uh, means uh, the, the flowery uh, floweriness of your writing. Mm -hmm. The more flamboyant you are, the better you write. But that's yeah. completely uh, off the point, off the mark. Yeah, Xiangfan. So we want to show people, we want to show people what is what, what good English is and what good English uh, sounds like, looks like. And we also want to uh, encourage people to write good and effective English, just like what we read, what we select. And to set up this standard and to straighten the idea of the um, uh, of the uh, of the quality of the language, its clarity, its effectiveness, uh, and its power. Uh, yeah. Because in in what well, we learn English in school in China, like we we are taught that our vocabulary is so limited, and so so that our our English is so bad. And as long as you can use uh, difficult words and uh, convoluted sentences, it, it's better. And, but that's not the case. That, that's not what writing should be about. So uh, this is what we want to want to uh, teach people. Yeah. And what 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 Grace, what Grace uh, wants to teach you guys, not me. Uh, I'd like to take her course, of course. Okay, please go on. Yeah, that's uh, those are all great points, and I think as well. As you were talking, I thought about when I took the GRE exam, mm. um, you know, the GRE is something you have to take if you want to do graduate study in the US. And mm. there's a list of words that you have to know for the GRE reading exam. And they're all very long words, very kind of lots of Latinate and Greek mm. origin words. And they're very intimidating. Mm -hmm. and you have to learn them pretty much base ally. And mm. then use uh, the idea is you're going to use them in graduate study and you do because academic english tends to be quite badly written english i think and one of the writers we're going to study george orwell had big problems with academics and big problems with politicians as well because they were the kinds of people who would use these words that are very long very grand sounding make you sound very intelligent but actually, if you look at the language, look at a sentence that's oh. written in that language, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And so he was a champion of simple English. Now, what we'll learn on this course, and I hope I will teach you, is that good is not the same as difficult. But good is also not always simple. So it's not always easy to write in good English because you have to have your thoughts really clear before you can write with that clarity. And that's hard because the world is messy, you know, our brains are messy and language is kind of complicated. So it's all about clarifying and simplifying and that can be quite a difficult process. Um, so we are going to read, it's a five week course and we're gonna read one or two pieces each week. They're not long. I think the longest one is probably the Orwell. Mm. Um, let's see where we're going to start is with some Asian American writers, mm. Amy Tan and Eric Leo. Mm. Uh, these are both writing about in speaking English as a second language. And I mm. actually think there are some very interesting things that happen when people write in their second language. 
And I think Amy Tan is a really good example of this. She writes a very powerful essay about speaking English with her mother, who, whose English is very basic. But you kind of see how simplicity can come out of that. And that's, that's very interesting. Um, and I should say also that the pieces we're going to study are all essays or articles. There's no excerpts in this class. So every time you read something, you're kind of finish reading one piece, um, which is, I think, helpful. So the second week, we're going to read Orwell, a very famous essay called Politics in the English Language. It's not really about politics. It's mostly about English, but it's basically Orwell ranting about how badly he feels the English language has been debased uh, <laughs> by academics and politicians. Um, and he gives six rules for writing good English, which we're going to get into and which influence the next week's readings, which are from The Economist, Jing Ji Ren. And The Economist is famous for having a very particular style, which was influenced by Orwell's rules. It's very clear. Um, the sentences are never very long. And it's a particular way of writing. I find it quite pompous and arrogant, but it's very clear. You're, mm -hmm. You will never be confused reading The Economist. So we're gonna read some classic pieces from, from there magazine. The following week, uh, we're going to read some American English. Uh, Joan Didion, who was a journalist and a memoirist, an amazing writer, very, very different to Orwell, but achieves something similar in that she achieves a clarity and a precision when she writes, particularly about her feelings. Um, so we're going to read two short pieces by Didion. Interestingly, she wrote an essay called Why I Write, and so did George Orwell. And mm. I think she was actually responding to Orwell. So we'll, mm. we'll read that one. The final week is the most challenging week. Um, we're going to read Virginia Woolf, a modernist who was a very innovative writer. Now, I'm not sure how George Orwell felt about Virginia Woolf, but <laughs> he may not have loved it. <laughs> that being said, I think it's really worth reading because it shows how imaginative you can write, how imaginatively you can write using English that's still not, you know, it's it's definitely not too difficult, but it's probably mm. the most challenging piece that we all read. And it's, it's a beautiful piece mm. of writing about walking through London. Ah. Um, she sets herself this challenge of walking through London to buy a pencil and oh. she narrates her walk. And it's, oh. it's, it's really fun. Oh, so would you, would you talk more about how the, how the class will be conducted? and what preparations the sure. students are required to do and uh, what 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 shall the ex uh, shall the students expect to do during class well each week 
the students should come prepared for class and they should have read that week's compulsory reading. Mm. So each week there'll be compulsory reading and optional reading for people who have more time. Mm. And like any class and like your classes that you've taught, the emphasis is on the students to decide how much they want to put in and how much they'll get out. Mm. You, However much time you spend, you're going to get even more value for your money um afterwards so everyone has to read the essay i'd like everyone to annotate the essay with words that they didn't understand or phrases that they found novel or phrases they didn't recognize and i want them to answer some questions each week i'll provide some comprehension questions about each piece so I'd like students to answer those questions in English, if possible. And then there will also be a very short writing exercise each week. Mm -hmm. And I'd like them to upload those uh, question answers and their, their writing to the, the platform. Mm -hmm. Now, in class, I may call on students to ask them to share their answers to those questions. Mm -hmm. And like you, I would say everyone should turn their video on if they, if, if possible. And if mm -hmm. your video is on, then I may call on you and ask you to contribute something to class. Mm -hmm. um, if you don't know the answer, that's okay. But I, I want you to be there and to kind of show up and be willing to, to talk a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll, and in the class, we'll review the piece together. I will take you through a practical criticism style mm -hmm. reading of the text. And then at the end, there will be some time for questions. Um, and we'll have a 10 minute break, I think, at the top of the hour, because it's two hours. Right. OK, so, uh, so I'm going to ask if we can uh, show the reading list again. I think you have a particular uh, slice listing all the all the reading materials no um i have a document what, what, what's your third slide you have a oh, so there's this is about this is about practical criticism actually mm. and i can share the reading list in a second but yeah i want to just okay. yeah it's okay i will i will share the reading list again on my okay. on my platform it's okay so okay. shall we do a mock course a little bit and yeah. read something together well, let me introduce this and then we'll then we'll do the, the okay. practice. Um, so practical criticism is a particular way of reading a text. And I, I think this is fascinating because the two people who, who were most responsible for this, I.A. Richards and William Empson, these two old white men, they developed this at Cambridge University in the 1920s. Now, in the 1920s, Cambridge didn't have an English course. It mm. had a philosophy course. It had a theology course. It had, um, you could study classics, of course, Latin and Greek, but English literature wasn't actually a, a discipline at that time. And these two men kind of made it into a discipline. And they developed this idea that if you approach a text through the details, instead of a sort of 
pushing a theory onto the text, then you can kind of develop active reading skills. You can become a better critical thinker. And the reason I wanted to just highlight these two is because they had a very interesting connection to China yeah. in the 1920s and 30s. Um, William Empson actually taught in China, so did I.A. Richards. I.A. Richards taught poetry at Tsinghua yeah. in the 1920s. And Empson was in China on, he was one of the only foreigners on Tiananmen Square on the 1st of October, 1949. Wow. And he wrote an <laughs> essay about that experience that's oh. published in the London Review of Books. If anyone is interested, I can send the um. link. But anyway, when I was at Cambridge, I had to read these two. Um, mm. and, and then I had to kind of go through this methodology where usually it was applied to poetry, but you can, mm. you can apply practical criticism to prose as well. And that's what we're gonna be doing. Mm. Anyway, let's do a sample. Mm -hmm. um, I'm gonna share my other document here. So hopefully you've done your homework, Zizi. Mm, not really. <laughs> not what we want. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna share this other screen now. Um, okay, so this is the, one of the essays from The Economist. Mm -hmm. And this, this isn't really a, an essay about current affairs or politics or anything. This is about language. And mm. The Economist has a lot of opinions about language, as is clear from this. Um, but I I want to start by asking you, uh, did you find this? How did you find reading this? Was this an easy read for you? <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, it is easy. Would you enlarge it a little bit? Yeah. Um, how do I, how do I do, how do I enlarge it? Oh my God. Uh, I think you can do command plus. Zoom. No, no, you, you enlarge it, enlarge your PDF. Yeah, no, I am trying. Okay. Oh no, that's zoomed out uh view like the there we view. go oh good good yeah, yeah yeah this is good so this i should say maybe before we start um maybe people can tell what is special about this piece from looking at it mm. <clears throat> maybe someone in the chat knows <笑><笑>大家看一下这个文章啊看一下这这两段你们能不能看得出来这个 这个文章有什么特别之处？还有一个极为特别之处，看看谁能看出来。嗯，呃，有人说short uh, sentences, not only short sentences, but it's about words. What kind of words does it use? 嗯，has has something in common with Chinese, maybe. 嗯嗯。It's hard for people to get, but but it's so. I think it's hard if you don't yeah. listen to it. Yeah. 
and not for the first time he was right. Short words are best. So every single word in this essay has one syllable. And it's kind of difficult to write this way, but they it is a whole piece like this. Have you um, heard a short story in French called Disappearance, in which the author uh, did not use the, the letter E? Ah, uh, wow. But the, the, the letter E is even more in, essential in French than it is in English. So it's almost impossible to, to just write one sentence. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. But but this is also interesting. I, I tried. I tried to, to think of a few sentences using only monosyllabic words. It's not that easy. <laughs> okay, I'll ask you at the end for those. Um. Mm. Can you, so if I were teaching this to the class, I would, mm. I'm going to ask somebody to paraphrase the mm. argument of the piece. So sum up, what is this piece arguing? Can you tell me that, Cece? Mm. I think the main point is to, is that simpler uh, sentences, the, the, the simpler the language is, the the more powerful it is and the more effective it is. Yeah, exactly, mm. exactly. Mm. Do you remember what the author of this piece thinks about old words? Mm. That's in this section. Mm. The tongues of your, oh, holy shit. The tongues of your. <laughs> <laughs> So the the attitude that so yeah you were right basically this article argues that simple words short words are better words mm -hmm. and fancy words and difficult words are not so good exactly exactly and in this section it says well what about in ancient times weren't they all using long words and this piece says, actually, there's lots of old words that are also mm. short words. Mm. And this is something that George Orwell is very passionate about. By mm. old words, this piece means words that don't come from Latin or Greek. Ah. Words that come from Old English, Old Norse, mm. um, Middle English. Those are the words that, for example, a burst of speed, a touch of the brake, a slow swoop, a spring, a bound, a stop. There's no yeah. Latin in that sentence. Mm. It's more and, touching. It's more straight to the point. Exactly. Mm. And it's more concrete somehow. These words mm. have a kind of solid feeling that they have a sort of weight to them as well, mm. which makes them really useful words for writing things like poetry right so there's a lot of very interesting angles on this mm. anyway i can what we'll do in the class is we will we'll look at phrases and i've just pulled out a few things that i think might be difficult for people mm -hmm. um or things that are useful as well like this phrase to the point mm -hmm. what does to the point mean 
meaning effectively? Yeah, or um, a paraphrase would be direct. Direct. Mm -hmm. They are clear, sharp, and to the point. They get to the point quickly. They don't kind of mm -hmm. go around and around with different meanings. Mm -hmm. um, they, they make you want to read on, not turn mm -hmm. the page. Mm -hmm. So we can basically go through and pull out words and phrases that people have struggled with. And I might ask someone in the class to tell me some things mm -hmm. that they found interesting or difficult in this piece. Mm -hmm. And we'll just make sure that we understand everything that's going on here. Mm. Um, did you did you recognize any of these examples that the author gave? To be or not to be is from Hamlet. Yeah. God, God said, let there be light, and there was light. It's the first sentence of Genesis. We are such stuff as streams are made on. I have no idea. That's from Shakespeare as well, but a different uh, way. Uh, the years at the spring and the days at the morning. Is that Chinese? <laughs> <laughs> it could be. That's actually a romantic poet. That's Robert Browning from oh. the 19th century. It's um, like yu zhizi zai yu zai yu cheng. Anyway, we, we have a very similar saying. The yeah, larks on the wing, the snails on the thorn. Hmm. Yeah, that's... I didn't know that one, actually. I had to look that one up. Mm -hmm. um, but We Are Such Stuff As Dreams Are Made On is from The Tempest. Oh. Um, and it's a... I think it's a speech given by Prospero towards the end, maybe Act 4 of The Tempest. Mm. It's quite famous, but not as famous as Hamlet to mm -hmm. be or not to be. This is the ultimate monosyllabic utterance <laughs> of English literature. Mm -hmm. um, but I wanted to mention as well, I, in your English course, Zizi, you recommended that people look at etymology, mm -hmm. right? And when we're thinking about simple words, and like I said, these are not coming from Latin and Greek, Root. Mm -hmm. I would encourage people to use that online dictionary, Etim Online, which you mm -hmm. recommended, to just look and see where these words are coming from. Um, because often you are going to find that they are from Old Norse or something. Or Old uh, English, Germanic languages. Yeah. Exactly, Germanic languages. Do you mm -hmm. do you agree that Germanic languages sound cooler than Latin and Greek? <laughs> I, I I'm not sure, but many people don't realize that English is a is a language of two tiers. Yeah. Especially in terms of 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 vocabulary. Uh, there's a large chunk of vocabulary grafted onto English, from or because of the Norman conquest. But uh, but normal people like common people that they, they, they don't realize that they, they, they don't have a uh awareness of the etymology and they cannot recognize which word is from which origin so yeah that's what what we may uh emphasize more yeah did you notice when you lived in england that english place names are very strange yeah that's all from the old times uh, Windmere what's your 
what's the place it's called that we, we took a picture? The, the train station, Sudmere? Is it? Uh, Windermere. Windermere, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I live in Ambleside and my mm. parents live in Coniston, which is from mm. Koenig, King's ah. town. Uh, ah. But all of the place names in the Lake District are basically from Old Norse. Mm. Yeah. And so they have this this feeling to them it, you know i often feel like i'm living in closer to scandinavia than i am right. to, to london or to paris even mm. um so it's very interesting and mm. this piece just is full of those those kinds of words mm. so we will go through um and make sure that we understand pretty much everything mm -hmm. and then if if you are willing, did you have a go at writing some sentences that are in? No, I didn't. So, no? <laughs> a bad student. Bad student. <laughs> okay, well, I'll publicly shame you. <laughs> and then, <laughs> I didn't either, but yeah, it's in, okay. in our real class, it would be great if um, the writing exercises are not going to be big. Um, but if people can share them, that would be that would be mm -hmm. fantastic. Yeah. Uh, someone asked a question. I think it worth mentioning. Uh, Sophia asked, uh, "Is foreign words or loan words conspicuous in English?" It's not conspicuous if you don't have the awareness. Like the word "conspicuous," it's not a Germanic word. It's a it's a Latin word. Latin, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Words. Ending in T I O N, they are yes. all from Latin or French. Yes. But they are they have been so much integrated into English that people yes. don't realize that they are not part of the Germanic heritage. Yeah, and yeah, I but... think I would I would make a distinction like uh why lie you? I would mm. say it was not Latin or Greekisms. Those yeah. are already part of English. A why yeah. lie you would be a word like Kow tao. Where is uh, kow tao from? It's from kow tao. Yeah. Kow tao or mm. ketchup, which is from mm. Cantonese, I think. Yeah. It has um, a complicated history. So. But there's lots it's, of it's words not... that are actually, that came into English in the, around the 19th century from Asia. Mm. And those are what I would consider to be kind of loan words. Mm. Um, whereas the Latin and the Greek stuff is kind of, it's, it's, yeah, hiding in plain sight. It's already a kind of integrated part of part of English. Good. I think we can take some questions or you have something yeah. else to share. Uh I don't have I don't have anything else to share. I've got the course document in front of me if people want to ask about mm. um, or if you want to talk about Donald Trump, we can Oh yeah, yeah. We which <laughs> We talk about Trump. We talk about Trumpian English. So Trump has a very, uh, very specific style of English. So his yeah. English is considered vulgar, low class, but it's very, very uh, effective. Yes. It serves him very well. He's a really good communicator. Mm. Um, he, and if you ask me, you know, you asked me the other day, is Trumpian English good English? Mm. I would say it is good English in that it's simple, effective, 
it is alive it doesn't mm. it feels very vivid but that's also kind of one of the reasons that it's dangerous mm. because he's so good at communicating with people um you know look at the way he uses nicknames mm. i don't know if that has made it into when china reports on trump do you know he gives nicknames to all of his political opponents and they're always very they're very clever and they're very funny um, <laughs> very harming yeah, hurting, but, very hurting. but they're very they sting and um, i think if orwell was alive today he'd have a lot to say about trump um mm -hmm. Yeah, he's like he resembles a particular character in Animal Farm, I would say. But <laughs> which one? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna reveal. <laughs> okay, okay. No politics in this class. No, okay, okay. Yeah. So some basics about the information of the class. So we will. Uh, let me say this in in English uh, in Chinese. So uh,我们每周日八点到十点上课，晚上每周日晚上八点到十点上课。然后是二月十八号开始，二月十八号，所以就是春节之后的那个周日。但我知道那个周日是工作日，但是没有关系，反正晚上也不不上班。然后我们会讲五周，十八号、二十五号、三号、十号、十七号、三月十七号结束。然
，是提前预读文本，但不是说现在就告诉你读哪一篇。我们会在呃那那一节课之前一个星期告诉你。And all the all the readings will be on PDFs that will upload for you, so you don't need to go and buy any books or anything. Um, I can say more about the readings as well if you want, Cici. Like the Economist um pieces. Mostly are going to be from a particular column in the Economist、mm. called、mm. Johnson.、Mm. You know, the Economist has different columns, and they're all、right. written by the same person every week.、Mm. Johnson is named after Samuel Johnson, Doctor、mm. Johnson. You know who he is, Cici? He's the、uh, compiler of the first English dictionary. Yeah. And、he has. He, a, he also has a biographer who <laughs> goes out with him all the time. Yeah, Boswell. He's amazing. So he's an eighteenth-century writer, lexicographer,、um, moralist. He wrote essays, and he also compiled a dictionary. And the Economist named their column after him because he was really interested in language and what was plain language as well.、Mm. He was kind of like a progenitor to Orwell in that respect, and. He also had a revolutionary idea that when we write about the lives of people in the past, we should not only write about the great people, the great、mm. men of history. We should write about ordinary people as well.、Mm. So he had a kind of like democratic view of of history and lives and human life, which I think is really nice. He was also. Blind. He went blind when he got older, and he used to crawl across the road in London, and he was very fat and very big. Did I know、uh, about that? He's a hero, but、yeah. that's why the Economist named their column after him, and that column is about language.、Um, mm. We could. We'll also look at the Economist style guide, which is what all of their writers follow. And it has some very interesting advice on how to write good English in it as well. Nice.、Uh, so the reading from the Economist will be from this Johnson column. Yes, I don't know、yeah. if they're still doing it, but there's a lot of it is in their archive online.、Yeah. From time to time, I think they they still do it. Oh, really? That's good.、Mm, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 上课是在 Zoom 上课，我们会用 Zoom 上课，就是我们我跟 Grace 聊天的这个。软件，因为 Zoom 的里面大家可以开视频加入课堂讨论，会跟老师有互动。呃，然后之后呃，回放时效，我反正一年之内应该是有效的，但是就是鼓励大家把回放下载下来，嗯，因为回放也是有要占空间的嘛，那空间也不是无限的，之后可能会就就删掉了。然后我们这一期课程结束之后，如果大家觉得不错，如果 Grace 还有时间，我们可以再再做一期类似的，嗯，就是继续读一些其他的东西，也许会加一些其他的，比如写作啊或之类的 components， 嗯，大概就是这么情况，所以，呃，所以就是这样。Should we talk about the English level of people enrolling? Ah,、uh, right. 呃、uh,。就是我觉得是这样啊，就是大家可以来报一个试试，因为你如果上了第一节课，你觉得不合适，你觉得跟不上，或者你觉得太简单，对自己没有用，呃，你是可以退课的。就是第一节课结束之后，你跟我说我不想来了，可以把钱都退给你，这个没有问题。嗯
。嗯，但是 Grace 可以说一下，你觉得你你这个课是适合什么样的人 ？So I think this class suits people who have studied English before. Perhaps they've studied English at university. Perhaps they've used English a little bit in their jobs, but they feel They feel challenged when they're presented with like an English book or an English mm. article. Mm. So it's almost like、um, if I were learning Chinese, it's like when I、uh, would look at the newspaper in Chinese and I would have to have a dictionary in order to、mm. make sense of it. That kind of level where you feel you could approach an English essay, but you would need some help. That's、mm. that's where we're we're aiming. But hopefully.、Mm. Even if you're way beyond that level, you'll get something out of this class because、mm. we're going to be looking in quite a lot of detail at the language of each piece. I'm sure. I I I think I can learn a lot if I take your class,、huh? but I'm not a good student. Um, <laughs> <laughs>、uh, I I think it suits people who use English, uh, in their work, like doing presentations. Yeah.、Uh, Introducing their work and reporting to their bosses, and they will find a way. They will understand which is the best way to do this. Not using fancy words, not using difficult and old words, but、yeah. using effective、uh, English. I think that 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 will revolutionize, not revolution, but make people's idea change. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think that that's good for today. No. Okay. 呃，有人要问问，要问你喜欢的中国作家，他是台湾人，他喜欢台湾作家。Who? Someone asks you. Who do can... I? What Chinese? Chinese writers. Do you have any favorite Chinese writers? Um, I've only read one book in Chinese. <laughs> which book is that? Yuhua. Oh, which one? Sh- 兄弟。十个十个词汇里的中国。Oh, it's a collection take... of essays. Maybe I can take you to talk with Yuhua someday. <gasps> yeah, he's amazing. I mean,、mm-hmm. I I do read. I have read quite a bit of Chinese in 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 my time, but reading a book is hard. It's really yeah. hard. Yeah, it's intimidating. I have a whole bookshelf over there of all my Chinese textbooks, <laughs> which I can I can show you sometime. Okay, I think that's good for today. Ah,、uh, and thank you, Grace, for. Joining us、Thank、and、uh, you. sharing your ideas, and、uh, I think that's it. Great. Thank okay. You. Thanks. Hope to see some of you soon. Yeah. Bye bye. Bye.